Welcome to the Sexy Biz Babe podcast. I'm your host, Tia Lin, a business empowerment coach and motivational speaker. This show is for the high achieving woman who wants it all. Each week, I walk you through how to own your power, generate consistent leads, attract clients, and close sales with ease and confidence. It's time to make money doing what you love. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited. I have a really great guest on today and we're going to be talking about authentic and heart-centered sales. I have Catherine Watkin on and she's in the UK. She's all about authentic sales and she's an expert and she's been in business for over nine years. So welcome her on and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Tia. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here as well. So yeah, you've just said it perfectly. I'm an expert in authentic and heart-centered sales. I work with business owners, typically those who've gone into business because they feel called to make a difference through their work. But that's a group of people who often feel really uncomfortable with sales. And so they don't get the clients and then they don't get to make their impact. And so I teach them how to have sales conversations and take people through a sales process that feels totally authentic and comfortable for both parties so they can finally be making that difference that they know they're here to make. And that's what I'm all about. Awesome. I love that so much. That's so true because a lot of the people who are, you know, killing it at sales, sometimes they're not always heart centered. And so I love that you Mm. said that because the people that really truly want to make a difference, a lot of times have a really hard time. So that's so on point. What got you into this business? So I actually had a career in sales. So I've been working in sales for about 17 years, like in the corporate world. I worked in recruitment, for example. I don't know what you'd call that over there, like headhunting, um, a very target-driven, um, quite a tough work environment. And I, I left my corporate job to find something more meaningful to do. And the only thing I knew, I had no idea what it was going to be. The one thing I knew for sure was that it was going to have nothing to do with sales. I wasn't going to teach sales. I wasn't going to do sales. I was leaving all of that behind. And it took me about five years of retraining and exploring. And I retrained as a yoga teacher, as a nutritionist, as a coach and NLP practitioner and an energy healer. I trained in all these things. And it was still like, I can't find this thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And then what started to happen is I'd made friends with people, of course, through these courses. And I started to realize, gosh, everyone is really struggling when it comes to getting clients. And I'm, and I'm not. It's just, why is, why is it so difficult for them? And I ended up, I just, my, my beginning with this particular business was, because I'd struggled a bit for a year trying to do other things, but this was when it landed. I ran a workshop for coaches called Sales Success for Coaches. Um, a really low cost workshop, 13 people came. And that was the day when I was just like, oh my gosh, this stuff that for me is just common sense that I can't see that would be valuable to anybody else. Other people don't think like this. Other people don't know this stuff. And I know that a lot of business owners often feel like that when they start out. They don't recognize their own expertise. Yeah, because it's just so easy. They just, everything, (laughs) that what they know, their goodies is just common. I love that. I felt like that with a Pinterest course. Um, Mm. I was just like, everybody knows this. Pinterest is easy. I got 2.2 million views on Pinterest and I was like, oh, like that's too easy to share. And then I did a Pinterest course and it was my first course that like did well. So I was so 
people listening, just kind of keep that in mind. Like what comes super easy for you, that's what you should help other people with. (laughs) And one of my, my friends in business, she always teaches about the thing that you are really, really meant to do is always right on the end of your nose. You're the only person who cannot see that this is the thing that you were here to do. And it's a bit like me saying, I'm going to go find this thing. Whatever it is, it's definitely not sales. And it was Ah. right on the end of my nose the whole time. Yep, yep. I'm finding that more and more. It's the thing that just lights you up. It's fun. It's easy or it's just whatever. And it looks too easy, too obvious to think to make a business. We want to go make it complicated, right? Yep. (laughs) Humans, we like to make it more difficult on ourselves. And I'm getting more into confidence because of that, because that's Mm. what comes easiest for me and helping other people be confident. So getting more into that, into my business and it's fun. Brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So at the beginning of your business, I know you don't talk about this as much, but did you just bunch, uh, (laughs) did you just, did you just jump on a bunch of calls in the beginning or how did that work? Oh no, when I started and it's great because you're right. I haven't talked about this before. You're so creative because you've come up with like a creative thing for us to talk about that people don't normally ask me like the beginnings. So for me, I I have a fully online business now, but I'm nine years in. When I started, I actually got my business going offline. I used to go to networking events Mm -hmm. and places where I would meet people. Um, And yeah, so I would go to networking and that like here in the UK, there's a speaking organization called Toastmasters. And if you want to learn to speak, you go and you get a chance to like maybe do a 20 minute slot. And the idea of it is that you're supposed to be there to practice your speaking skills. But of course, you've got an audience. So I did things like that. And I met my clients, my first clients offline. But then I I gradually and quite quickly moved online. So I started offline through networking one to one. Then I um, launched my very first online course. But although it was an online course, I actually sold it at a live speaking event. So I sold it in the live room. And then I translated that into webinars. And so, and then started selling from webinars. And then through doing the webinars online, I started to get seen a bit online. And then I started having clients coming to me online, but I started offline at the beginning. That's awesome. I love that. I actually, I've been to networking events. I was starting to do that a lot more before the COVID time happened. Um, If you guys are listening later, we're about two months in being quarantined and I was starting to go to a lot more speaking events and I just loved it. I just, mm-hmm. I do better in person. And yeah. even though my expertise is online, I love meeting people in person and connecting with them. And so I'm definitely going to get back to that. Yeah. But yeah. And one of the things that might be useful for your listeners as well is that I started out going networking for clients, you know, like we do when we're at the beginning, it's like, I really need the clients. Like, where is the next client? And I went looking for clients mm-hmm. and what I discovered relatively quickly, because I had a very good mentor who got business mentor who got me started off was that very quickly I switched from networking for clients to networking for collaborative and strategic partners. So I would go networking or I'd go to, and I often went to paid events instead of networking, like low price networking, like more high priced live events where there were more successful business owners in the room. And then I would meet, maybe I'd meet you there, you know, somebody like you, I might meet. And then we, we just click because it was in person. We go for coffee and then we would do a webinar together. And I actually grew my business mainly in the early years through the collaborations that I made with the people that I met offline. Okay. What kind of collaborations would 
lead you to getting sales? So something like um, I might meet somebody at an event. So like one, for example, that really helped my business take off. I was at a three day training and I met somebody there who had a very, very established business. Like I had a tiny, like my mailing list was probably 300 and hers was sort of in the 10,000s. And she said, you know, Catherine, I love the sound of what you do. When you finally figure out what you're offering, I would love to introduce you to my community. And when I finally figured it out, I went back to her and said, look, I've developed this online program. And what we did was we, we did a webinar. So she emailed her mailing list of these tens of thousands, invited them to a webinar with me. Oh, wow. They signed up to, she then, it was different then because we didn't have GDPR, but she then gave me the list of names who'd signed up. They then became my mailing list and I made sales on that webinar. So I think from that one, I think I made about, um, in dollars, probably about $8,000 from that one webinar. So I did a lot of that sort of thing, like joint, like co-hosted webinars back, back in the day. Awesome. And you can do yeah. that now, right? You can do it now. And I, and I tweak it a little bit now because I find that when I was starting eight, nine years ago, you could bring people to a webinar and they'd never met you before. And you could you could sell to them. You, you can still sell to them. And I'm very good at selling from webinars, but I now prefer a little bit more of a nurture journey. Yeah. So now the way I do it is if I'm going to do a collaboration with somebody, we say, let's get on and let's do a session on a great topic. And we just do it. We won't do an offer, but it, was, it gets them onto my mailing list. And then a few weeks later, or I then wait till my next launch. And then that's when I that's when the actual sales happen. I don't, I don't tend to do it straight off webinars with individual people anymore, but yeah, it's great. And I, but the connections I was making, although my business looked like it was online from the outside because everything happened online, the actual relationships were built offline to begin with. And then we would take it online and do something online. That's awesome. I really like that. Mm. It, it builds trust a lot faster when it's in person. Yeah. And a lot of people, when they think about networking, they're sort of thinking quite small, like, oh, networking to get one client at a time. That doesn't sound very exciting. But when you think about, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go and network and I'm going to go and try and meet strategic partners that I can do big stuff with, it's a completely different energy to it. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And Mm. what is heart-centered and aligned sales? Ah, so for me, heart, what for me, what heart-centered really means is, and I guess it's a little, it, for me, it's about people who have gone into business primarily because they want to make a difference. And then they want to then make a good income through making a difference. That for me is the heart, as opposed to, I want to go into business because I want to make as much money as I possibly can how am I going to do that? It's, it's a different, it's almost like the making the difference comes first, not the making the money with that group. And, and then sort of aligned sales is sales in alignment with your values and your integrity and what feels good and congruent to you. And even in the sales courses that I teach, I, I will say to my students, you know, this thing, I do this thing because it feels congruent to me personally. This is why it does. But if it doesn't feel congruent to you, then find another way, find a way of adapting it and tweaking it for yourself. Because I think it's really hard for a heart-centered business to do anything that they feel is just inherently icky or sleazy or wrong. But I also do a lot of mindset work because I find that a lot of the students who learn from me, they, um, they have 
this sort of negative thinking about sales. They do think it's mm-hmm. icky. They do think it's manipulative. They think, oh, that's not something that I feel like I want to do. And a, quite a lot, although my course is very, very practical, there's a really large undercurrent of mindset all the way through where I'm almost sharing my really healthy mindset around sales so that my clients can like adopt that for themselves. Yeah, you have to have a good mindset on sales. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Like if you don't believe in your price or you don't believe in your offer or you don't believe in you as a coach, it's going to come off. It's going to come off to the other person. Your voice is going to sound different. So mindset is huge in sales. And and it's like I was thinking about this when when you'd said, what about talking about how you got started? And I was thinking, you know, I'm all about how to sell with integrity and how to sell with authenticity. And yet I started selling for before this form of the business, I was selling just general coaching um, and, and then sales coaching and then business coaching. But back in those early days when I started out, I didn't believe in myself as a coach. And yet I was still selling because I, because of my sales background, I knew that if I didn't at least pretend to have confidence And I didn't show conviction in the way that I talked about my offer. Nobody was going to want to buy from me if I didn't sound confident. And and there was this, like, how do you sell with integrity when you don't believe in the thing that you're selling? And that's very common for early stage business owners. And what I did, the way I got around that back then was I guaranteed everything. Like every, if I sold it, if I sold it, I guaranteed it. Because what that meant for me was I felt like I could stand at the front of the room and I could make a really confident call to action to come and buy my program, or I could have a one-to-one sales conversation and really confidently invite somebody. But I would put a guarantee on it to say, if you're not satisfied, then after this period of time, I will give you a refund. And it was risky for me to do that, of course. But what it did was it gave me the confidence because I knew I could sell confidently, knowing that if I didn't deliver, I wasn't going to keep their money. And it was, how, it was how I got over the integrity piece before I really believed in the value. Wow, that's a really good hack. And also most mm. people would just say that's a sales technique, but you used it to like feel good. So that's really awesome. And yeah. anybody listening, like try and think of something that will make you feel good yeah. about yeah. your selling. And, yeah. and then at the end of every call, I would say to the client, um, how was that today? Was that useful? Like I always, always at the end of every call, how was that? Was that useful? Almost like, and they'd always go, yeah, that was great. But you know, it took me a long time to trust myself. And that was how I, that was how I got around the integrity. Yeah. Nice. And you did make sales without fully feeling good enough. So that is possible. You can make sales, you can decide, you can do it before you're ready. And yeah, yeah it's kind of like fake it till you make it. Like you, you put yeah. that energy out there and you embody that next level person. I have to be honest. I had, I had, I had already got a business that was turning over six figures and that's in pounds. And I'd been doing that for about 18 months before one day it actually clicked. Oh my goodness. I'm actually good at this. Like I'm actually good at it. There's not, this is not some fluke or whatever, you know, and, and it took, it, I was quite a long way in before I got that feeling. And I'd been yeah. get, helping people get results for quite a long time before I felt it myself. So yes, you can get quite a long way without believing in yourself if you're just willing to take the action. I love that. Mm. Okay. And what would you tell anybody that maybe they don't feel aligned with a client 
maybe there's something off, but you know that they, that you could help them, would you still sell them? Do you know, different people teach different things here. And I know my answer is going to be unusual, but I have learned over the years to take, to, to say yes to clients. I, I don't work with one-to-one anymore, but I, you know, I have done, but I, but I learned over time almost that it wasn't my job to decide whether I felt they were going to be difficult or not. Because the truth is, there are some people who are more difficult to work with. Yep. They have more blocks, they have more resistance. And a lot of coaches won't work with those people. They decide in the call, they look at their history, they, 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 they get a feel for them and they think, I don't want to take you on because I don't think you're an action taker or I don't want to be, I haven't got the pay. You know, some of my coach friends say, I haven't got the patience for people who are just going to faff around. And what I've seen that when I take on those people that I think are going to be challenging or difficult and I hold the space and I believe in them, they do flourish. Yes, it might take them a bit longer than somebody else. But for me personally, I feel that part of my role is that I am able to be very patient and I am able to be very nurturing and I can hold a space for somebody who might not be such a gung-ho action taker. And I've never regret, I think once in in nine years, there was one lady in a high-end group program who I know I should not have taken on and who I should have got rid of and I (laughs) didn't. Um, but that's, but when I look at that over the nine years, anyone else I had doubts about, I always took them on. And I'm sort of glad that I'm, I'm sort of happy that that's my approach, even though somebody else might decide to have stricter criteria than me. Mm-hmm. And the only people I don't take on are if I actually don't believe I can help them. If I don't believe in their business. So okay. if I don't believe in the business concept or I don't feel that they're going to be flexible. So I remember once taking on a client and saying, look, I will take you on but only if you are willing to niche. I said, I don't, I don't, we don't need to know what it is. I will work with you on that. But unless you're willing to narrow down from, I do massage and reflexology for everybody in the entire world, I'm not going to take you on. But as long as you're willing to do that work and focus. Um, so I, I will, that's when I won't take somebody if, if I feel that they won't allow me to do my job or if I inherently just don't believe in the business that they're trying to run. Okay. I've got to be passionate about it myself. I like that. I really do. It's a different spin on it. Um, And yeah, that kind of gives me a different perspective on maybe they have a hard time actually finding coaches that really help them. So I like that. That was a really good perspective. A different shift for me. Um, I've taken on a couple clients, but I think I still help them that I was just like, you know what? Like I can give them the how-to and help them as far as I can. and you know, they were kind of difficult clients and it didn't like go long term, but it was like, okay, help them as they could and help them yeah. a few steps along the way. <laughs> and you might come across them again in three years time and they're going to say to you, Tia, look at where I am now. Did you know it was you that got me started? And I know I was really difficult back then, but if it wasn't for you, <laughs> I wouldn't have got to where I am right now. So you don't always know the impact you're having on those people that don't get such quick results. Yeah. And also people tuning in, sometimes you watch your clients flourish more and more after you're done working Mm. with them. Like they get all the foundation and then maybe they don't hit the goals or they're working a little slower, but they start applying it more and more as the time goes on. And I've noticed that with some of my past clients and I'm like clapping and cheering them on. 
Absolutely. And it's exactly the same for me. And, you know, I've got one other thing I want to say, just connected to all of this, because I wrote a blog on this exact topic. I wrote a blog called, Should You Fire Your Difficult Clients? And it was because I was seeing so many people like online posting, oh, you know, if your clients are difficult, you should just fire them, get rid of them. You know, it's up to you who you work with. And I feel like sometimes there's almost a laziness in the coaching industry mm -hmm. to say, well, if your client is difficult, just get rid of them. If your client is difficult, this is your opportunity to up level. This is your opportunity to stretch and be the coach that they need you to be to help them get the results and hold that space. So for me, my difficult clients have almost always, bar, bar one, they've been a growth opportunity for me and I've grown as a mentor through working with them. Whereas if I'd just gone, you're difficult, I'm getting rid of you next. Um, I wouldn't have got that growth. Yeah, they're growth opportunities. Like how can mm. you improve as a coach for the next person? Yeah. I love that. So let's just take back to the beginning. Did you jump on a lot of, you said you did webinars and stuff. So, and there was courses, but let's just say somebody starting off now, what would you recommend that, them to do? Would it be to jump on a lot of calls, especially right now when we can't go network? What would you say to help them do more authentic sales? Yeah. So to have conversations. So one of the things that I encourage people in my programs to do is not put too many barriers in place to those conversations in the early days. Later on, absolutely. You can have an application process and you can have all sorts of barriers that make you less accessible. But in the earlier stages, you know, get online. You can, you don't, you can do very simple things. You can network in groups in the same way that you would network offline. Um, and you can invite people to have what I call um, like high value for free calls. So instead of saying, hey, just come and have a coffee or on what. So it's like, hey, come and have a coffee is one end of the extreme where they don't know it's a business call at all. The other end of the extreme is come and have a conversation about working with me in the middle. The strategy that I teach a lot is actually creating something that offers genuine value for and its position does no obligation. So this might be like a career MOT call or a clarity call or a possibility session or, um, gosh, what well, yesterday I was on a mentoring call with someone and we came up with a purpose pathway. So to invite someone to come in and, and, and have the call to say something like, you know, on this call, I will help you identify the single biggest thing that is holding you back from finding your purpose. You will leave this call knowing your next steps and clarity about xyz and so it's positioned as come and have this call with me and i'm going to give you this for free but of course by getting them on the call you're getting to build that relationship and a lot of those people because they've got close to you they're experiencing your work your coaching they're going to um and if it's business like if it was me i would do a business strategy call something like that that then they get to experience you close up. And a lot of people who come on those calls are coming thinking, oh, I'm going to take this for free. It sounds really useful. They have no intention of actually buying from you. But by the end of the call, they're thinking, wow, this is amazing. And I, I, I want more of this. And actually they become, and if you know how to structure that call, which is what I teach, mm -hmm. how, if you know how to structure that call effectively and then make the invitation to work with you in the, in, in the right way, a lot of those calls will actually end up actually turning into clients. And so I often say to people, like, if you really, really, really need clients, don't put barriers in place to having conversations, have these calls with as many people as you can, because what if you have to have 10 calls for every four clients you enroll, 
would you be happy to have the 10 class, the 10 calls? Most people would say yes. Yeah. And if not, then are you doing what you really should be doing? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a way of being plugged in. You feel of service. If someone hasn't got enough client clients, then the actual sales calls, keep them plugged into what they're here to do and keep them yep. plugged into their work and that connection as well. So it really helps. It builds a referral network because if those people have a good experience, even if they decide not to work with you, they might refer somebody else. And it's all building your reputation, building your brand, building your network in those early days. Yep. If I were to talk to myself when I first started my business, I would say, get on more calls. Yeah. Talk to more people. Don't make it such a big deal and just get on calls to introduce yourself and connect and see where they're struggling and learn. And I yeah. feel like I just made it this big, huge deal. And like, I actually closed most of the calls because I was so like, oh, I don't know. And so I, I should have just jumped on more calls and not made it such a big deal. And I would have had a much bigger network. So yeah. Yeah. I am 100% for that. And then when you do like these break, breakthrough sessions, let's say you did a good value they're a good network or they're a good possible client, then you pitch yourself, right? Yeah. And so the way I teach is so that it doesn't come as a surprise is that you sort of, you, you set up the call very clearly at the front. So you'd say, that's, you know, great just to remind you what this break, what we're going to do in this breakthrough call. I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and you're going to leave with ABC. Um, the way it will work is I'll ask you some questions, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if, by the end of the session, you know, so I'll give you all that. And if by the end of the session, I really believe that you would benefit from doing ongoing work with me, I will invite you to come and join one of my programs. It will be completely up to you at that point, And there's no obligation to do that. I'm really happy to give you this session anyway. And then when you get to that point in the call, I call it step six, where it's presenting the solution. Again, you'd say, thank you for, you know, thank you for sharing all of that. And I hope that you found everything I've given you useful. Um, I, you know, at the beginning, I did say that if I felt that you'd benefit from further work with me, I would tell you more about that. And I really think that you would. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to take a few minutes to tell you about how that would work. Now, they're very unlikely to say, no, thank you, if you've just given them genuine value. Mm -hmm. And that's when you then get to, you know, so you're, you're not pushing it on them. You have their permission to go ahead and then you present your work and the, the benefits of your work and the value of your work and the investment. And, you know, if you do that well, very often that person will end up saying, oh, wow, yes, I didn't come on thinking that I was going to, but yeah, I think I'd really like to do it. Yeah, pretty much most of my calls were like that. I was like, oh, I'm just curious. I'm just going to yeah. jump on this call and see how it goes. And then I bought from them because I got massive value. I was like so aligned. So yeah, we need to stop making these calls or sessions that we're having with people such a big deal and so pushy or so um, have so much anxiety, I guess. And yeah, we're just and I like, also one of yeah, and one of the things I often see as well with clients who join my programs, and I see what that it's almost like the way they set things up in their customer journey and on their website. It's they've set everything up so that that client really needs to be like 90% sure that they're going to say yes before they will even book the call. So you're really asking the client to make all the decision on their own. But what if you said, I, I only need the client to be curious. Like you just said, I love that word. I only need the client to be curious mm -hmm. to come. I only need them to be 20% interested and curious because when they get on the call, I know I can do the rest. And I see too many people putting these barriers up where the person doesn't even get to, they don't even get the chance to, to have that conversation. So yeah, yeah I love that. 
Oh, this is such a good call. Is there any other things that you'd like to share? Maybe your best tip on taking sales calls or anything like that? Yeah, I, I'm going to share one tip that I teach a lot. And it's a bit of a mantra of mine. One of the things I teach a lot in, in the sales process that I teach, because I teach a quite unique sales process. Um, I had a background in traditional sales. But when I came to this type of more heart-centered business, I knew that that wasn't the sort of sales I wanted to use. So I was lucky because I was able to blend that, um, that traditional sales knowledge with what feels true for me. And one of the things I talk about a lot that other trainers don't is safety. That your client has to feel really safe in your sales conversation. And I always say that if your client does not feel safe to say no, Mm. They will not feel safe to say yes. Ooh. So you have to make them feel safe to say no first. Yeah. Ooh. I like and, that, you guys. Write that down. Yeah. And it's one of my mantras. If they're going to feel safe to say yes, they have to feel safe to say no. And, I, and so it's about setting that up all the way through. So let's say you're inviting somebody. I'm just going to go back to networking because it's on my mind. Yeah. So imagine you meet somebody out and you, you, you think there's some synergy you invite them to have a conversation with you and you say, look, why don't we just get on a call this week and explore it? You know, it might not be right for you. And if it doesn't feel right for you, that's totally fine. I'm really happy to spend the time, but why don't we hop on the call and at least find out and explore it? So right up front, you've said, it's okay to say no. So now they go, ah, oh, it's okay if I say no, yeah. there's not really pressure. So now I'm going to come on the call. And when you get on the call again, you know, my example I gave earlier, when you set the agenda for the call, by that, you know, there's no obligation for you to go ahead, but I will be making an invitation. They go, oh, she's not going to be pushing me and making me feel uncomfortable. And now they're open and they're receptive and they're connected and they're plugged into the conversation. And because yep. they feel safe to say no, they're able to say yes. Yeah. Whereas if they don't feel safe to say no, they're pushing you all the time. They're like pushing you back. Don't be trying to sell to me. Don't be trying to sell to me. And they're not really processing whether it's right for them or not. That's such a good tip, you guys. And I actually thought of one more question. So on follow-ups, what are some tips on that? I would say if you know, like the person is like, I 1000% want to work with you or something like that, but then they don't do it right away. Do you just kind of like let it go? Like what are your tips on following up? Okay, so if someone 1000% wants to work with you, then I would say you take the payment there and then while they're still on that call with you. Um, you don't want to be letting them go away. Like they could be 1000% committed and you say, great, let me send you an invoice and you can pay me tomorrow. And then that night their husband or their partner comes home and says, what, I can't believe you're going to spend that money on that. And look, I've just seen this lovely holiday to Hawaii. Why don't we go there instead? Or their best friend says, oh, you're going to, you're going to buy that service. Well, I know someone else who does it really well. And the next thing you know, it's the next morning and it's all over. So get, get, even if it's just a deposit, when a client makes a deposit, even if it's just like a hundred dollars or $75 deposit mm -hmm. or 200 or whatever, like as a percentage psychologically they've made the commitment and mm -hmm. the rest of the money will follow but if no mm -hmm. money changes hands they feel free to change their minds mm -hmm. yeah so let's say they didn't what would you do to follow up with them so i would i would say never leave a call without having the next step agreed so let's say that by the end of your sales conversation you haven't um, manage to bring them to a decision and they, they need to think about it and you haven't managed to unpick it beyond that but you know what they need to think about 
you don't leave it open-ended you say great so when do you think you'll when do you think you'll know and they say oh tomorrow morning I just always like to sleep on a decision great well how about we schedule a call for tomorrow around 12 and that way you can ask me any final questions before you make your decision but you've got them booked in and again if you've sent them if you like I don't even want to give you advice about when you send the invoice because I'm really not I really 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 always recommend taking payment there and then on the call but if you do have to send the invoice then you make an agreement for when it's going to be paid Mm -hmm. So you get, you, you would agree, agree with them. So if I send the invoice to you now, when will you be able to pay? And they'll say, oh, I'll be able to pay it first thing tomorrow morning. Okay, great. So I'll check my bank account at midday and I'll, and then I'll send you your confirmation. So it's all very friendly and mm -hmm. nice. But then when you check your, when, when at one o'clock, it's not there. You don't have to feel like you're being pushy to contact them and say, Hey, I just checked my bank. It's not there. I just wondered if there might be a problem or, you know, just wondered if there might be a problem or maybe it's gone to the wrong place. And you have the reason to follow up because you have both agreed with you. This is the time and day that I'm actually going to be paying it. So never get off a call without a clear agreement for exactly when you're speaking again, or if it's a payment, exactly when the payment's going to be made. Awesome. And just to kind of tell people listening is it's good to have a flow, good to have like organization to your calls. That way there is a sales process. Like I used to be in sales too. And there's literally a, a sales process that helps lead people down the sales call and uh, credibility and building them up and leading them along the way. So if you're struggling, then you might need to fix your sales process. And it's okay to have like kind of a guiding point to manipulate for yourself but if you're struggling then you might want to go fix that fix your yeah. sales process absolutely and i've got sort of two levels of sales process that i teach one is the overarching heart-centered sales process which actually starts from the moment that you ask somebody what they do whether it's online or offline maybe it's online and you've just landed on their instagram profile or it's offline and you say what do you do from that that very moment that somebody tells you what they do that's your sales process starting all the way through to after they've paid you, how do you handle payment? How do you, what do you put in place to make sure that they don't change their mind and ask for a refund the next day, the whole thing. And then within that, there's another process, which is called the seven steps to yes. And this is the actual sales process itself in the conversation. And that is available for free on my website. I know I've given you the, the link for that. Um, that's at katherinewatkin.com forward slash seven steps. And it's a seven step process through setting the agenda, opening up the conversation, exploring what their, their problems are. And again, all the way through to asking them for a decision to go ahead. I love that. So you guys can go check out the link in the bio. And then if you guys like it, you guys should take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. Her link will be in the bio or Facebook and share it with your friends because that is really important to have an aligned process and to flow with it and understand it in the back of your head, even if you manipulate or change it. Yeah, absolutely. And I teach, I always say, learn this process. And it's, it's very um, bite-sized, by the way, the video, it's seven, three minute videos. So you can watch it in about 35 minutes. And I would say, learn a process, learn the structure, learn the system. And then you can use your own intuition and your own emotional intelligence to, to tweak and change and adapt it to be authentic for you. But mm -hmm. don't, you know, I think people who go into sales conversations and it's all just intuition, like I'm just feeling my way and it's all flowy. Often 
their sales conversations feel good, but they don't always get the results because yeah. there is, there is like for me, sales, there's a, there's an art to sales. Yeah. But there's also the skill to sales. So that, that's like the structure and the skill piece. And then there's the art. And you, yep. if you have the structure without sort of art of it, you just have quite technical, mm-hmm. soulless sales without the connection. But if you have just the art of sales, it can be too woolly and too loose. And then people are confused like, oh, but we had an amazing connection. What happened? I never I heard from them again. Yeah. Yeah. People want to buy a coach that challenges them. Yeah. And that helps them grow. That's why they're on the call with you. So you got to be that coach that challenges them and helps them get over their objections because sometimes people want to be convinced. Not always, but sometimes people do want to hire you and their fear is taking over. Yeah. And if you're a really good coach. You can help them through it. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. People actually want you to convince them. They're like, there's part of them that really, really wants to do it. And then there's the other part of them that's small and scared and fearful. And, and the, the part of them that really wants to do it is almost pleading with you silently to please, please make it okay. Please make it safe. Please show me that I can do this. Yeah. Uh, this is such a good call. I just want to give you like props to this because I'm really good at sales. I have a really good sales process and you just reminded me some of the things that maybe I got a little too flowy in that I was like, Oh my gosh, like, duh, I need to put that back into my sales call process because there's a technique to sales to help people feel more comfortable, to help you be a better coach that I like maybe just got a little too comfortable, even though the sales process is so ingrained in my brain. So I'm going to go back to, you know, getting back onto that wagon where I have like a process and like, oh, I hit this, good job, but then still adding my flow into it. So thank you for that. Welcome. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me, letting me talk about my favorite subject. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, review, and share with your fellow biz babes. I'd love to hear your thoughts, takeaways, and questions. So leave me a review on iTunes. And until next time, I'll see you at the top. It's up to you to level up.